Welcome to the Not So Little Librarian Podcast. I hope you're literarily scared to death. Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode in my spooky series. I meant to start recording Halloween episodes a bit earlier, but shit happened, so I'm starting now. And I'm joined by my special guest, my husband and best friend, Cal. So special. Yes, that he is. So I asked him to join me because there are... First of all, let me say that this is the first in a series for spooky stuff, but it is called Literarily Scared to Death. Cal, what is your reaction to that? It sounds like some nerdy shit to me. <laughs> okay, but isn't it great? It is. It's a good pun. I'm so happy. I came up with it while I was at work. I was like, what could I name this? Yeah, so very proud. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so in this episode, I'm going to be reading some of my favorite death poems. Okay. <laughs> and there is one poem that I know that you know. There are actually probably several. So I'm going to ask if you've heard of them. Like after I say the title and it's by, uh, because there there are several of these that you are probably familiar with. But for everyone else, a lot of these are very popular. There's some Emily Dixon. Wow. Emily Dix. <laughs> There's some Emily Dickinson. Whoa. I am so disrespectful. Oh my gosh. There's some Edgar Allan Poe. Um, Percy Shelley. So Wait, will, her, will her initials be E D? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, they would be. <laughs> I'm ashamed. All right. <laughs> so um, I'm going to say the title and the author, and then I'm going to go ahead and read the poem. And I will give my background with some of these poems, how I know them, my reactions to some of them. And then if Cal has anything to add onto those or have him say his reactions instead, he'll be doing that as well. Sounds good? Yeah. Are you ready to start? Sure. All right, so the first of these death poems is, I, did I even explain that death poems are poems about death or is that too self-explanatory to explain? That sounds too self-explanatory to explain. Okay, well, I did it anyway right now. So the first, <laughs> the first poem is Because I Could Not Stop for Death by Emily Dickinson. This is from around 1890. Cal, have you ever heard this poem? It sounds familiar. Uh, this is the one that I believe is in iambic pentameter, and people will put it to the tune of Pokemon. Like the theme song? Yeah. Because I could not stop for death. You kindly stop for me. The carriage help adjust yourselves no, and why? immortality. No. I'm not going to do the whole poem like that, but no. yeah. <laughs> Don't do that shit. What the fuck? No. Okay. So now I'm going to restart and be normal about it. And I have a cough. That will be coming up. It, it is California is burning down right now, as it usually does, but a little it's a little worse than usual. So heard my cough. All right. Because I could not stop for death, he kindly stopped for me. Carriage held but just ourselves in immortality. We slowly drove, he knew no haste, and I had put away my labor and my leisure too, for his civility. We passed the school where children strove at recess in the ring. We passed the fields of gazing grain. We passed the setting sun. Or rather, he passed us. The dews drew quivering and chill. For only gossamer, my gown, my tippet only tull. 
We paused before a house that seemed a swelling of the ground. The roof was scarcely visible, the cornice in the ground. Since then, to centuries, and yet feels shorter than the day, I first surmised the horses' heads were towards eternity. And that is the first poem. What in the fuck? Have you ever heard that one? No. So it's supposed to be the speaker is has been dead and for a while, but it's... Is the house supposed to show the passage of time? It's supposed to be the passage from life into death and accepting death as your companion on this carriage. Uh, okay. Because there's, I mean, there's one house that I know of and it is like built upside down. Or not upside down. The roof is like in the ground. Oh, Okay, yeah, no, not not literally. But which which part are Oh. Yeah, so when you said that I was gonna We paused like, what? before a house that seemed a swelling of the ground. That's a grave. Oh okay. the roof was scarcely visible, the cornice in the ground. I'm I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be a grave. Like an eternal home. <laughs> Go to your forever box. Aww. <laughs> All right, so what did you think of that one? Because I thought that that was one that you would have known. Uh no, it was good. I okay. liked it. Yeah, I, I really like Emily Dickinson. There's a lot of hers that are a bit darker like that but that's that's my favorite poem by her her shit was always dreary to me it seemed see i don't remember anything else by her i knew that i liked it but it's not like i'm gonna go read some dickinson no and like i don't know i want to say i read a little bit of it a while ago and it was just really just kind of dismal and dreary and i don't (laughs) know i don't know it's just weird okay well this next one I don't think you remember, but this is one that I had uh, had to learn when I was taking my one of my literature courses and you were helping me study back when I was at university. Oh, I might remember that. It's by John Donne. It's called Death Be Not Proud, circa 1633. John Donne. Well, Trailer Park Boys. Okay, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> Get it? You're done. <laughs> All right. So have, do you think you've heard of this, this one before? Um, what was the name of it again? Death Be Not Proud. Ah, uh, you know, that sounds really familiar. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and read but it the, and let me know. But the author does it. John Dunn should. Uh-uh. I'm pretty sure he was on the also wrote that um flea sex innuendo poem. What? Okay, never mind. What the um, fuck? <laughs> no, 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 what, what the fuck are you talking about? Here, let me look it up. What the hell? Okay, the flea. John, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a, uh, it's called the flea, but it's a poem about pretty much this. If I'm remembering correctly, where this man hits on a woman and wants to have sex with her. What does it have to do with fleas? I don't remember, but it does. Did the woman have? Did she give him the fleas? Okay, we are so off topic, oh. and we're already like <laughs> almost ten minutes in, and I've only read one poem. Okay, death be not proud, death be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful. For thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkst thou dost overthrow die not, poor death. Nor yet canst thou kill me. From rest and sleep, which but thy pictures be, much pleasure. Then from thee much more must flow, and soonest our best men with thee do go. Rest of their bones and souls delivery. Thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and dost with poison, war, and sickness dwell. And poppy or charms can make us sleep as well and better than thy stroke. Why swellest thou then? One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. Death shall die. Yeah, because when you're dead dun, and you dun, dun. wake for your afterlife, you can't be taken by death anymore. That is true. Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the reasons why I like this one so much because it it is 
sad, but it incorporates the afterlife as a positive escape from death, even though you're dead, you know? Yeah, it's like a middle ground. Yeah. So, had you ever heard that one? No, actually. Okay. Do you like it? Yeah, it was good. Okay. All right. I was going to say it's pretty good. Just, just So, like, pretty. when you listen to this back, it's probably going to sound weird when I said that. <laughs> it's okay. I'll do some heavy <laughs> editing. Like I just, like, really wasn't interested. But, uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, it was okay, I guess. <laughs> All right. Good. All right. This next one is Sonnet 71 by William Shakespeare, circa 1609-ish. No longer mourn for me when I am dead. Then thou shalt hear the surly cell and bell give warning to the world that I am fled from this vile world with vilest worms to dwell. Nay, if you read this line, remember no not the hand that writ it. For I love you so, that I and your sweet thoughts would be forgot. If thinking on me, then should make you woe. Oh, if, I say, you look upon this verse when I, perhaps, compounded am with clay. Do not so much as my poor name rehearse, but let your love, even with my life, decay. Lest the wise world should look into your moan and mock you with me after I am gone. So what'd you think? I like that. I like the way Shakespeare writes, like the flow of his words. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't know why. See, I like the meaning behind this one, but reading it is reading it aloud is bad. I, For me, there's not the flow. See, I'd rather read that than like Charles Dickens or shit like that. I don't know uh... why. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I don't really like Shakespeare's sonnets that much. Dickens is just boring as fuck. <laughs> but yeah, Dickens is. But no, I like the meaning behind this one, even though it's really sad because I would want to be remembered. Mm-hmm. Like if you forgot me, if I died tomorrow and then you forgot me in a year, I wouldn't be like, oh, good. I'm so glad you're not mourning me. I'd be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> you prick. Yeah, like 13 years of being together, and this is what I get. <laughs> I gave you the best year, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. This next one is one that you know intimately. So, do you want to say the title? Can you guess it? Which one? Okay. Here's here's the thing. I can't remember the name of it and I can't remember who it's written by. Okay. What is the first line that is tattooed on your arm, sir? <laughs> um uh, do not go gentle into that good night rage rage against the dying of the light okay so do not go gentle into that good night by dylan thomas circa 1951-ish oh it is uncle general okay yeah um it's pretty often that i think it's sonnets sonnets will take the first line of the poem as its title i couldn't remember i thought i had something else nope kind of like teenage wasteland has bob o'reilly nope or bob o'reilly has teenage wasteland whoops <laughs> okay so <laughs> Oops. all right do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right, because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death, who see the blinding sight, blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Well, that was, that's always been one of my favorite death poems. Top three. Yeah. 
it's it's strong. Yeah, it's really good. All right. I'm going to skip over reactions to that one because I know that it holds a lot of meaning for both of us. So on to Ozymandias by Percy Shelley, 1818. What? Wait. <clears throat> Repeat that name? Ozymandias. Okay. This Sounds is, like a D&D character. I love this poem. And this is one that you should recognize because this was another one that was on my test. A lot of these. Okay. Let me back up a moment. A lot of these were on one of my finals for a literature course and i am terrible with names and i'm terrible with memorizing lines unless it's like for performances so i came over to my husband's house back when we were still just dating actually no we were engaged at that point anyway we we weren't married yet and he helped me study for this horrible test by reading these poems to me over and over and over and over and over and over <laughs> It was much appreciated. I passed with flying colors. <laughs> <laughs> I All did right. that with you a bunch of times. Yeah, my parents did too, or my mom did too with tests. I had a great support group. I was I was really lucky. All right. <laughs> Ozymandias by Percy Shelley. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, Two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk a shattered visage lies, whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor, well those passions read which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, alone and level sands stretch far away. So what, wait, you haven't heard that poem in years, right? You don't remember it? I don't, but it sounds very Lovecraftian. So what it is, is just a man who goes into a desert and he comes across this abandoned statue of a ruler, the king of kings, Ozymandias, who had been, who had ruled with fear and like power mm -hmm. rather than love and so he was forgotten an iron fist instead of an iron heart yeah i don't know if you'd want an iron heart that does not sound healthy but well the iron <laughs> lug kept you alive why would the iron heart not work true true <laughs> but yeah i really like that one because it shows iron that eyeball. um kindness man and all kinds of iron. good deeds are remembered far more than I'm so glad I was not paying attention to you and I just kept talking over you because when you laugh, I know it's something bad. Let's talk about the bionic man. Hmm. <laughs> I don't fucking trust you. <laughs> it was the bionic man. <laughs> sure. Sure. He's iron. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop talking about that and we'll move on now. <laughs> hmm. No, it, why, why it was like stopping. are you watching the recording? I'm watching the recording. Yeah, and you weren't <laughs> doing your job. I'm okay. watching the recording. All right. The next poem is called Out. Out by Robert Frost, circa 1916. Now, you've read Robert Frost poems before. I'm actually not a fan of Robert Frost. Yeah, they're long and they're boring. I think you'll like this one. No, I, I take that back. I think there's one or two that I actually do enjoy. I think you'll enjoy this one. I really, really do. Who does? There's one called like In the Dead of Winter or something, isn't there? I feel like he writes a lot of fucking winter solitude type ones. I can't remember. Okay, so... This goes, the buzzsaw snarled and rattled in the yard and made dust and dropped stove-length sticks of wood, sweet-scented stuff when the breeze drew across it. And from there, those that lifted eyes could count five mountain ranges, one behind the other, under the sunset far into Vermont. 
And the saw snarled and rattled, snarled and rattled, as it ran light or had to bear a load. And nothing happened. Day was all but done. Call it a day, I wish they might have said, to please the boy by giving him the half hour that a boy counts so much when saved from work. His sister stood behind him in her apron to tell them supper. At the word, the saw, as if to prove saws knew what supper meant, leapt out of the boy's hand, or seemed to leap. He must have given the hand. However it was, neither refused the meeting. But the hand, the boy's first outcry, was a rueful laugh as he swung toward them, holding up the hand, half an appeal, but half as if to keep the life from spilling. Then the boy saw all, since he was old enough to know, big boy doing a man's work, though a child at heart. He saw all spoiled. Don't let him cut off my hand. The doctor, when he comes, don't let him, sister. So, but the hand was gone already. The doctor put him in the dark of ether. He lay and puffed his lips out with his breath. That was quick. <laughs> and then the watcher at his pulse took fright. No one believed. They listened at his heart. Little, less, nothing. And that ended it. No more to build on here. And they, since they were not the one dead, turned to their affairs. So this is one that is much more literal. <laughs> and life went on. Yeah. And see... When you're thinking about that time period, then that's... What happened. Yeah. That's what you had to do or else you died too. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Like, I like this poem, but it is in no way reassuring. In any way reassuring. Yeah. No. I'm... I like the poem. Don't like the message. Which brings me to the next poem, which I know you have read, but you will probably not recognize the name. So, Dulce et Decorum Est by Wilfred Owen, 1920. Do you know which one this is? I know the name. I don't say I read it like <laughs> in 15 years ago or some shit. And that's likely. Um, This is a World War poem. Okay. Okay. So, bent double like old beggars under sacks, knock-kneed, coughing like hags, we cursed through sludge, till on the haunting flares we turned our backs and towards our distant rest began to trudge. Men marched asleep. Many had lost their boots, but limped on, bloodshod. All went lame, all blind, drunk with fatigue, deaf even to the hoots of gas shells dropping softly behind. Gas. Gas! Quick, boys! An ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time, but someone still was yelling out and stumbling, and floundering like a man on fire or lime. Fuck. Sorry, like a man in fire or lime. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Dim through the misty panes and thick green light, as under a green sea, I saw him drowning. In all my dreams, before my helpless sight, he plunges at me, guttering, choking, drowning. If in some smothering dreams, you too could pace behind the wagon that we flung him in, and watch the white eyes writhing in his face, his hanging face like a devil's sick of sin, if you could hear, at every jolt, the blood come gargling from his froth-corrupted lungs, obscene as cancer, bitter as the cut of vile, incurable sores on innocent tongues, my friend, you would not tell with such high zest to children for some desperate glory. The old lie. They'll say et decorum est pro patria mori. And let me actually look up what that means because I used to know. Oh my gosh, you should have had that prepared, bro. That's what editing's for, bro. Why did you not have that prepared? It is sweet and fitting to die for one's country. So that's the old lie. So what do you think of that one? That one's been my favorite one so far. Yeah, I fucking knew it. You and your war stuff. <laughs> All right. This is one that I actually don't have much of a background with at all. Um, but I read it semi recently and really liked it because it is 
fitting, especially for spooky season where people go to graveyards. So I don't think you've read this, but I'm not even going to ask. I'm just going to read it and then you can tell me after. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Do Not Stand at My Grave in a Week by Mary Elizabeth Fry, circa 1932. Do not stand by my grave and weep. I am not there. I do not sleep. I am the thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints in snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. As you wake with morning hush, I am the swift upflinging rush of quiet birds in circling flight. I am the day transcending night. Do not stand by my grave and cry. I am not there. I did not die. Your that reaction? one's cool. Yeah. I really, really like that one. Yeah. Because when you think about it, people go to graves and it's more so for themselves because it's a place. And I know that every culture has something different. So like um, some Asian countries have uh, the in-home shrines and like uh, I know some Mexican families will post um, crosses at the site of death if it's like an accident and they'll go to those. So Every culture has something different, but when you think about like graves and visiting a grave where a body is, that's not where the person is. Their soul has moved on, you know? Uh-huh. It's still nice for that like sense of closure and well-being. Yeah, to just to know that they're still like in that place. Yeah. And they're always going to be in that place. It's a nice connection. So you still have that, but it's, I like this poem because even though the speaker is saying that they're not in that grave or no the speaker is saying that they're not in that grave but everywhere and that's kind of like memories of lost loved ones you know they're still everywhere around you yeah that's why it says i'm not dead yeah all right next one i know you know this i fucking know you know this if you don't i'm going to be shooketh <laughs> okay <laughs> annabelle lee by edgar Allan poe 1849 uh i've read it but I'll be fucked if I can remember it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I first heard this poem back when I was in elementary school. I was like fourth grade. Is that the one where he's like my dear Annabelle? Yes. Or dear Annabelle Lee. Okay. So this was, I had a best friend. I still have a best friend, but I had a best friend in elementary school what? and we were doing <laughs> poetry and prose and she chose this as like a fourth or fifth grader and everyone else is like, what the fuck? Because I was over there choosing, I think I... Yeah, I did Shel Silverstein. And she's over here just like, Annabelle and death. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to go ahead and read this. You will more than likely remember it as I'm reading it. Oh, yeah. And this is one of my favorite ones to read. And I think that might just be because I helped her with reciting it for so long back then. Like, this is partially ingrained in my memory. Even though I'm going to fuck it up because I inevitably do with every poem. But still. <laughs> <laughs> you do fine. Mm, this is going to be heavily edited. Do not fret. <laughs> It was many and many a year ago, in the kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived, whom you may know by the name of Annabel Lee, and this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child in this kingdom by the sea, but we loved with the love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee, with the love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that, long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabel Lee so that her highborn kinsmen came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulchre in this kingdom by the sea. 
The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee, and the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so, all the night tide, I lie down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, in her sepulchre there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. That's good. Yeah. That's real good. Yeah, I I always liked that one. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... The hell did you say? Fourth grade? Yeah, seriously. What the right? fuck? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I was over here reading scary stories and telling the dark and shit. <laughs> you were here reading Annabelle Lee. Okay, no, that was... That was Elizabeth at the time. She was like, this is going to be it. And I was like, what the heck? Who's Edgar Allan Poe? No, I knew who he was, but still. <laughs> wow. I knew, but... <laughs> I was I was a gifted child. I had already memorized Shakespeare. Oh, dear gosh. I figured, why not old Edgy? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Edgy? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Edgy. Uh, that sounds like some pompous <laughs> twat would call Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> <laughs> my jeez okay you're not helping it um no i think my favorite line from that is but we loved with a love that was more than love like i've always loved that line mm-hmm. that is so powerful and passionate yeah it's a good line i wish i had something like that <clears throat> hmm? what hmm? what eh? i was just clearing my eyes <laughs> you know i'm kidding maybe okay when I Have Fears That I May Cease to Be by John Keats, 1848. When I Have Fears I Cease to Be? When I Have Fears That I May Cease to Be. This whole episode, I'm just going to sound constipated or something because I'm holding back coughs. But <laughs> or I'm constipated, whatever. Um, that, Have you heard no, it? If, no, if you sound constipated, you're holding back. Okay, no, 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 no. Farts? Coughs. Butt coughs? Co- no, no. Boffs. Oh, pardon me, I just boffed. Okay, this is derailing so quickly. Okay, have you ever heard... Actually, I don't think you've read anything from John Keats. Fenrir, my son, shush. He doesn't like the boffing. No, he does not. He's not a big boffer. Okay. When I have fears... Fenrir. When I have fears that I may cease to be before my pen has gleaned my teeming brain, before high piled books in charactery hold like rich garners the full ripened grain, when I behold upon the night's starred face huge cloudy symbols of a high romance, and think that I may never live to trace their shadows with the magic hand of chance, and when I feel, fair creature of an hour, that I shall never look upon thee more, never have relish in the fairy power of unreflecting love, then on the shore of the wide world I stand alone and think, to love and fame, to nothingness do sink. Nothingness do what? Do sink. Do sink? That was a weird one. Yeah. It was pretty much just like when you worry about dying before you've done everything you want to do and before you can like accomplish what you know you can do like you're dying before you've died yeah oh i hadn't thought of that because you're worrying about death so you're withholding yourself yeah like you're you are your own problem and then you die you're pretty much just dead already fuck i wasn't (laughs) expecting that from (laughs) like no no offense but like damn that was that's some deepness. You hit me wow. in my deepness. Ew. Ew, wait, no, 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 no. 
Everyone cut that shit out. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> I'm leaving it in to spite you. Oh, <laughs> Goodness. Okay, this last one is less about death and more about positivity and optimism. I wanted to end on a high note. This was, I actually planned this one before I knew you were going to be joining me for sure. Oh. But I'm going to read it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fun. <laughs> Go on. All right. Darkling Thrush by Thomas Hardy, 1900. You should know the name Thomas Hardy, right? He was a novelist. No, Ed Hardy. I don't know Ed Hardy. <laughs> Wait, is that the brand person that yes. makes shirts? Oh, That's fucking shit. <laughs> oh, I love you, but like... Mm. <laughs> okay, so this is the Darkling Thrush. And you know what a thrush is, right? Think back to The Hobbit. All I can think of is the fungal infection in the mouth. No, grabs a nut. And it's smacking it on a fucking Whoa. rock and then the keyhole into the dragon's dungeon. Uh, dungeon. Um, What's it called? The Hills of... Not Mortar. What the Mines fuck? Mines of Moria? Yeah, Mines of Moria. And then the <laughs> hidden door reveals itself, the keyhole. Yes. When the thrush is hitting that nut on the rock. It's a bird. That was a long explanation for me to be like, a thrush is a bird. Yeah, you could have just been <laughs> like, it's a fucking bird, man. <laughs> I'm you getting lost in the fucking story. I don't even remember what the fuck we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, the fucking bird, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's on, It's we're almost done recording. It's fine. <laughs> we're good. Shush. It's okay. <laughs> All right. The Darkling Thrush. I leant upon a coppice gate when frost was specter gray, and winter's dregs made desolate the weakening eye of day. Tangled bind stems scored the sky like strings of broken lyres, and all mankind that haunted nigh had sought their household fires. The land's sharp features seemed to be the century's corpse outlent, his crypt and cloudy canopy, the wind his death lament. Excuse me, stop smoking a bowl when I'm reading poetry. My gosh. No one would have known that if he would have just kept reading. I saw the click on the audio. Don't lie to me. The land's sharp features seemed to be the century's corpse outlent. His crypt, the cloudy canopy, the wind, his death lament. The ancient pulse of German birth was shrunken hard and dry, and every spirit upon earth seemed fervorless as I. At once a voice arose among the bleak twigs overhead in a full-hearted evensong of joy illimited. An aged thrush, frail, gaunt, and small, in blast-beruffled plume, had chosen this to fling his soul upon the growing gloom so little cause for carolings of such a ex- fucking shit okay so wait little- was it evan song or even song even song what did i say you said even song yeah it was even song i've heard evan song maybe it's evan song i don't know okay let me get back to this so <laughs> little cause for carolings of such ecstatic sound was written on terrestrial things afar or nigh around that i could think there trembled through trembled fucking shit you're tripping me up now <laughs> I'm, I'm getting all, all trembling, man. I'm getting all trembling. Fuck the shit out of the peak on that. Oh my god. What the fuck kind of fuck the plot was that? <laughs> Fucking goblin. Jeez. I need my inhaler so bad. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to restart this whole fucking stanza because I'm done. So little cause for carolings of such ecstatic sound was written on terrestrial things afar or nigh around that I could think there trembled through this happy goodnight air, some blessed hope whereof he knew and I was unaware. So 
What's your reaction to this poem? It's different than all the other ones. Yeah, that's because it's not necessarily about death. Yeah. It's like the world is horrible and dying and everything is terrible and hopeless. And then this tiny little bird's song drifts through the air. And even though he is old and frail and gaunt and small, says he flings his soul upon the growing gloom and it just kind of brightens everything. I like it. It's really optimistic in the sense that even though everything can feel like it's going to shit, it's there's always someone who's going to be happy and something that's going to make it better, you know? Yeah, that is true. All right. I don't know how heavily this episode is going to be edited because Cal and I were coughing and dying and laughing and making horrible jokes the entire time. So yeah, you said those are going to make it in. Some of the jokes are. Ow, I hit my fucking you and your Miss Piggy pork fingers. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, see, anytime you laugh, I know it's bad. So just as a recap, what did you think about the death poems that I chose? Because I'm sure you have others that you like that weren't amongst those. They're good. I like them. All right. If you had to pick a favorite. Uh, probably the war one. Dulce at Decormest. Yeah, that one. <laughs> okay. That one's and- good. I should also, I should have done this at the beginning, but there were probably many things that I mispronounced. I don't know if it's Dolce or Dulce. It might very well be Dolce, but I don't know. And I just, there are a lot of words that I have only read, like Evensong or Evansong. I thought it was Evensong. Cal thinks it's Evansong. I don't fucking know. So. Like, I swear I've heard Evansong. That sounds like a song from a man named Evan. No, it, there was something like it Your was time Evan for her Hansen. to sing her Evan song or something. We've been way too like, out of touch. All right. Anyway, thank you for listening. Cal, would you like to say anything? I don't. I shouldn't even offer the mic to you. Would, would you like to add anything? I buy twerking. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking knew it. Anyway, thanks for joining us on this uh, first episode of literarily scared to death i'm so fucking proud of that oh my gosh anyway (laughs) there will be more to come this season and i might actually dip into november a little bit because i usually love spooky season and i've just been messing up so thank you so much if you're listening you can reach out on i have social media what do i have i have twitter and instagram you can find me at the at symbol lit library cast that is l-i-t-l-i-b-r-a-r-y-c-a-s-t or you can send me an email to the not so little librarian at gmail.com. I would love any reactions, any questions. If you absolutely hate Cal and never want him to come back on the show again, I can make that happen. Just let me know. Yay! <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.